0: Good morning. good morning. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning, whether
2: I want it or not?
3: Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God.
4: Put your hand up if you're a road rager. Uh, Melzy's not here, Ben. That's just you. Are you a road rager?
1: Yep. You are? Yep. In the privacy of my own car. <laughs> I certainly am. I'm a I'm a big man. I'm a big man when no one can hear me yelling and screaming.
4: <laughs> do you have any uh, Do you have any like horror stories from the road?
1: Uh, one time, one time, <laughs> I was pulling into uh, I think I was going to pick up fish and chips from Oakley, and uh, I pulled into the car park across the road. And it was pretty full, and as I was trying to come around the corner, this fucking these two guys were in their other car and they, they were like in the middle of the lane and i was like and i would kind of had to stop because i couldn't you know while they were kind of coming around this bend and uh, so i had to stop to let them through and i've kind of you know had the window down and i've just called out "Fucking cunt, <laughs> and, as i've gone past of the course they've stopped i've got out of the car <laughs> and they've kind of they've walked up going what did you say mate what did you say and Thinking quick, because I'm a cowardly piece of shit, I was like, oh, I was—I had stopped to back into a spot behind me and someone had just come in and pulled in. And I was calling them a cunt and they're like, oh, fucking dogs, mate. And I'm like, yeah, fucking dogs.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they could be listening to Good luck trying to find me. I don't go to that fish and chip shop anymore.
4: <laughs> I was going to ask you if you maybe, you know, had a huntsman in your car while driving or something, but that's far more entertaining. Oh,
1: I mean, I've had that. I've had, I've had the huntsman in the car. You know, you pull down the the, <laughs> yeah. the, wind, the wind shade, the the you know, what, it, what what are those flaps called?
4: <laughs> the visor, sun visor.
1: The visor, yeah. Pull down the visor shade, and there's been a gigantic huntsman under there and stuff.
4: Yes, you know, I'm not terrified of huntsmen. So I don't, I, I don't mind them, and I, I'll happily re- relocate one. You know, almost barehanded. But if they're in the car, it's a different story.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well anyway, this is this is the part where I normally would have said uh welcome back Malzy. But damn it, dude, she's gone and caught the COVID. Yeah. And you're still out of action with the COVID. I'm here all by myself. What the hell is up with you two? What have you been up to?
1: I don't know, right? <laughs> I told after our conversation last time, I told her to stay away from the Colette uh cosplay. <laughs> But, uh, you know, she had to go and ring my bell. <laughs> that's, a total, that's a total fabrication.
4: I mean, normally she pops in every single month to help us out with the show, and it's usually when a show is related to what that mob are doing over there at the Melbourne Horror Film Society. But alas, regrettably, we must push on without her. It's a real shame, um, and I, I do... In all sincerity, hope that she's on the mend very soon. I do miss her at the desk. But she's gone ahead and recorded some stuff for us anyway. Like, you know, I told her not to, but she did anyway. Just weirdo. She
1: just, she's the most dedicated member of the team. She certainly is.
4: <laughs> More than me, almost, almost.
1: Well, you're a little weird with it. Yeah, But, uh, but is. it is but it is your show.
4: <laughs> hey, it's our show, mate. I'm not that kind of tyrant. <laughs> Anyway, hey, how about I do an intro? Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome to Good Movie Monday, where the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Glenn Cochran. I do love being here with you every week. Ben Helwig is my co-host. And as I said, struck down with the filthy COVID. I hope you're feeling better, mate. Yeah,
1: look, I've I've done my seven days isolation, but I still have a little bit of a cough. And uh, I read on the internet somewhere that uh, as long as you still got the cough, you should kind of isolate until you're like a day without it right So i'm just i'm just waiting for that for that day to come
4: or you just waiting for someone to cup your balls when you cough
1: yeah (laughs) yeah that's i mean if i'm if i'm being honest it's it's, yeah (laughs) once the once the doctor's willing to do it without wearing a hazmat suit or gloves uh, you know that's the dream.
4: Warm hands, please. Hey, this week is all about terror on the highways, and um, that is because the Melbourne Horror Film Society are screening road games at Longplay on August the 30th. So let's give them a quick little plug now, because Malsey's not here to do it. Um, so August 30, Longplay. They also have their Blood Ritual screening coming up, and Blood Rituals is that little sort of other screening they do. It's a little more casual, and it's at the True North Bar, I think it is. It's a bar. And um, their next screening is Demons on... August twenty seventh. So Demoni Demons. What a
1: cracker. What a cracker of a party film to to play at True North. It too. is.
4: Like this is a great sort of back to back kind of um double features they've got going here because Road Games I think is probably one of the best quality films they've screened as far as sort of my taste go. Like it's the one I am definitely sort of keen for the most out of everything they've done.
5: It's all
1: right. It's no pieces.
4: <laughs> That's true. There's so, no there's no
1: no martial arts instructor comes out of them comes out of nowhere and uh, just has a random fight and then disappears for the rest of the film. That doesn't happen in road games.
4: That is missing from the highway. It, that
1: doesn't happen. Yeah, if that doesn't happen in a film, then yeah, how good is it? That's why I think you know when we try and pick up the Oscar winners every year, yeah. That's like yeah. the number one of my criteria. Mm. So that's why I always struggle to pick what film's gonna win best picture because they don't have like if any one of them actually had like a random martial arts fight, then I'd be like, Well, obviously. That's going to win the best picture, but
4: they just don't do it. Well, I mean, obviously the biggest mistake we've ever made on this podcast is not dedicating every episode to that. Yeah. (laughs) But, hey, if you're listening and you are interested in the Melbourne Horror Film Society, go to their website, uh, melbournehorrorfilmsociety.org, see what they're all about. There's also a link on our homepage at goodmoviemonday.com, so you can visit that as well. Melzi was supposed to be my fireball whiskey drinking buddy today so you know she's devastated she couldn't be here i'm devastated that she couldn't be here and so melsey if you're listening and i know you are because that's how dedicated you are i'm going to put away the whiskey this week and i'm going to not do it i'm going to push on without it and save it for when you're on the desk so there we are that's just you know my that's my allegiance to her <laughs>
1: It's like this is like listening to a drunk talk. Like, like that's what you're saying while you're doing
4: shots. <laughs> I am drinking tea and water. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> hey, welcome to all of our new listeners that may have joined over the past week as well. Thanks for giving us a spin. Uh, you can head over to our social media pages. We do a lot over there on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You'll get a lot of bonus content by way of videos and. Um, yeah, once again, we, can, we collect it all in that hub of GoodMovieMonday.com, so if you get lost, just go there. Last week on the show, we had the, the awesome Belle Larkham. Uh, she's an actress and producer as well as uh, being on the show. She hung around to do a taste test video with me, not with you. I mean, you were present via Zoom, but you didn't get the pleasure of doing the infamous Twinkie Wiener sandwich from Weird our Yankovic's UHF. I've,
1: I've seen the uh, weird TikTok <laughs> videos that you put up of that segment, and there's just... Like my kind of severed head in the laptop doing absolutely nothing.
4: (laughs) You like why am I here? You like John Paragon from Pee Wee's Playhouse. You like when he opens the genie and he's (laughs) a head in the box. And there's the tie-in because John Paragon's in UHF. So you
1: know UHF. Yeah, congratulations for drawing
4: that that comparison unawares.
1: Yeah, no, you're welcome.
4: <laughs> hey, this is a, a something, nice you. something a bit different, a little bit of shout out I want to do to another podcast because this is a, a podcast that's been actually sitting on my playlist of podcasts for a long time and out of the blue they reached out to say hello, so I want to say hello back. Uh, they are the Cinema 9 podcast from America and um, yeah, just very generous of them to give us a few ratings on social media and things like that, so... Go and check them out. If you like what we do, uh, go and have a look at them because they're really awesome as well. They're hosted by three guys, Eric, Mike, and Travis, and they sound more professional than we do, Ben. They'll give them that. Well,
1: with me on the show, that would be very, very easy to do.
4: With us on the show. That would be... No one slurs a monologue better than I do, my friend.
1: <laughs> look, you've got a monologue. <laughs> Remember that one time that you were like, why don't you do the, the, the next intro bit, and there was
4: like five seconds of dead air? Yeah. <laughs> uh... Uh, Yeah, but I'm a maniacal bastard and I just have this real bad habit of throwing you under the bus and, you know, usually I'd wait till (laughs) I'm on the piss to apologize for such things. But let me, you're a sick man right now, mate. Let me offer my apologies. (laughs) Sorry about that.
1: I'm just going to switch over now. We should just cut the show now and just play like the cinema nine, the latest cinema nine podcast, (laughs) just like splice it in.
4: Uh, so, uh, what have we got on today's show? The re- Obviously, the regular segments from the Good Movie Monday players. We've got Guillermo Troncoso from Screen Realm with some movie news. The guys from Bonehead Weekly Podcast are going to have their little uh, interpretation of highway horror recommendations and see what they come up with. And Jarrett Garn from Monster Fest will be uh, here to let you know what's coming out on physical media. But before we throw it to Jarrett, Ben, it's our final week of competitions on our website for the month. So our uh, last week for the Nope Double Passes and definitely the last week for the Ghoulies Blu-ray giveaways. So everybody go to the website before it's too late and get your entries in. There's a giveaways page. It's very easy to do. And um, yeah, hope you win.
6: Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now, before I start this week's segment, A word from our sponsor. Who said bidets were only for fancy folk? All those bloody Europeans? No! Australians are entitled to bidets too. So come on down to G'day Bidets. We've been serving the Australian public with funny dunnies for runny bummies since Bob Hawke was knee high to an asshole. Come on down to G'day Bidets. Australians should be cleaned down under too. What's out this week on home entertainment? Well, I'm gonna start with Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, and they're releasing Ben's favorite film of the year thus far. The unbearable weight of massive talent from the Studio Canal catalog. It's hitting all the formats, 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD. Next up from the Paramount catalogue is The Lost City with Channon Tatum and again one of Ben's favourites, Sandra Bullock. It's hitting Blu-ray and DVD. I watched it on the plane and I thought it was a good, good laugh. I'll definitely pick it up on Blu-ray, though I might wait for one of those 2 for 20 promos and even a little 20% off so I can get it for about 8 bucks, but I definitely want to check it out again. Then the last release from Universal Sony is from the Universal Pictures catalogue and it is Firestarter. That's right, it's the Blumhouse adaptation of Stephen King's Firestarter. So not the Mark Lester Firestarter from 84, but another Firestarter that's about as equally average but you know it's worth checking out it's coming out in a collector's edition on blu-ray and dvd and you may recall a few weeks ago i did list the special feature content on this one and it's definitely worthy of the collector's edition moniker moving on to another distributor umbrella entertainment and they've got some great releases this week first up money movers is joining the ausploitation classics line on blu-ray then mega force is making its local blu-ray debut as part of the beyond genres series Then the last release is Umbrella adding to their sensual cinema catalogue with Billitus. Then now this one's from Roadshow and if I didn't mention it, Glenn would mention that I didn't mention it. It's Last Seen Alive, a new Jared Butler action movie that's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Did this movie come out theatrically? I'm not sure but Roadshow see fit to release it on Blu-ray but they didn't seem fit to release Ty West's X. Go figure. Then moving on to Shock, they're adding three titles to their Cinema Cult Catalogue this week. They're all coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, and they all have slipcovers. They are Mr. Sedonicus, Bunny Lake is Missing, and I Saw What You Did. Then the last distributor putting a release out this week is Viavision. They're delivering an imprint title, and that title is The Beast aka the Beast of War, as it was known on home video when it was released by RCA Columbia Pictures Hoyts video here in Australia. And that one is hitting Blu-ray. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. So until next time, stay physical.
4: That's a that's a pretty mighty colossal week of our new releases there. And Ben, finally the unbearable weight of massive talent. And I'd like to say that this will put an end to the whole Nicolas Cage gives good smooches thing, but I highly doubt it
1: no that that phrase is, has entered my vernacular for for good
4: it's a legacy thing now on the show it's like it's just it's not going anywhere
1: it's just it's just part of it's who i am it's it's entered into my dna and that's it
4: uh well you know nice work there Jarrett. thank you bit of a legend there throwing um throwing some love to that physical media uh you can follow him at the uh monster fest social media pages so if you if you like the sound of his uh he's, uh what is <laughs> you can go and eat some I don't know whatever <laughs> maybe I've Dude, got COVID that fell, that fell down fast it certainly that did fell down <laughs> <fast>. <laughs> um, what else what else what else um, oh the, he did mention uh, Money Movers is coming out though so that's a bit exciting for me because I have a huge love of that film I think that's about as Tarantino as non-Tarantino films get and um, you know, it which makes sense as part of that osploitation label sort of that I think Tarantino coined that phrase, didn't he?
1: Ausploitation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I've seen the. You think you think I would, but I don't. <laughs> I think he. Called I don't want to. Wanna...
4: I think he called it Aussie exploitation, and and they just sort of finessed it a little bit for Mark Hartley's documentary, and that's sort of where it then became part of part of our Aussie, you know, cinematic. And it is, it is
1: Mark Hartley who's putting together all of those osploitation releases for Umbrella.
4: Yeah, and, and it makes perfect sense because it's almost like every single one of them is a little sort of a spin-off or offshoot from Not Quite Hollywood, you know, which makes perfect sense mm. in the glorious mm. releases. But Money Movers, it's a huge one. And, and, um, and speaking of the, the Tarantino connection, that is sort of, you know, where Road Games comes into it too because he's constantly talking about that being in his top three Australian films of all time and... You know, I love it. I think it's a banger, and and as I think, you know, Malsey did record a little segment for us to talk about the film. So we're going to let her pretty much, you know, dive into it. But um, yeah, it's it's Rear Window on a Highway, which you know is an amazing thing. You know, I think um, Richard Franklin through writer Everett DeRochon assignment, he said, "Here's Rear Window. Let's see if what we can do with this on a highway." Like that, that's that the was right. the directive, and that's what he came up with.
1: I'm just a big fan of Australian films that import. Uh, all the talent from overseas.
4: Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I don't know if you're being facetious or not, but I do love that. Like that's it's something that really appeals to me.
1: I like it when they come over here and you get to hear how ridiculous the Australian accent sounds against the uh, <laughs> the American one, which you only really pick up when when they're when it's thrust into your face, and you're like, oh, that's how we talk.
4: Oh, I love it when they come here and they talk about how reckless the Australian filmmakers are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that? We talked about it on the show before. I think it was for the making of thirst. Is it Henry Silver who was hanging from the Henry helicopter Silver, yeah. and they just they took the helicopter all the way up into the sky? He's hanging on and uh no safety net, no harness.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well look, having having heard Henry Silver in that Eurocrime Docker, he can shut up. He can take it.
4: <laughs> yeah. I just love the fact they told him to hang on, we'll we'll take your meter off the ground. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? They just fly him into the sky. You can't let go.
1: Yeah, just keep going up. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Oh, shit. Just let go? No, you can't. <laughs> I like that so many of the Australian films have people uh like, you know, paragliding or like, you know, on helicopters or whatever. You'd think we spend a lot more time in the air than we actually do. <laughs> they always they like those stunts.
4: They certainly do. Hey, let's let's um let's throw it to Melzi, see what she has to say about road games and let her promote her little screening before we uh move on to the actual theme of the show.
7: Hey guys, it's Melzie here from the Melbourne Horror Film Society. I'm so sorry and I'm so upset that I can't be there for today's episode. But unfortunately, you can probably hear me wheezing a little bit. The COVID finally got me. I've I've dodged it for this long, but it's it's got me and it's kind of hit me for six. So, but I couldn't help. I just needed to still, you know, spruik the next Melbourne Horror Film Society um, screenings that are coming up. And the whole purpose of this episode is because I'll be taking the reins for the next two screenings and I'll be showing two films directed by Richard Franklin. First up will be Road Games from 1981, which stars Stacey Keach as truck driver Quid, who's transporting meat across the Nullarbor and ends up picking up hitchhiker Jamie Lee Curtis, who he nicknames Hitch. And yes, that is a nod to Alfred Hitchcock and there are many nods to the great director throughout the film, which is often described as rear window on the road. And that's exactly what Richard Franklin and writer Everett DeRoche set out to make. Now, Stacey Keach is so bloody good in this role. Just like Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window, you get a lot of one-on-one time with him as he drives the open road. Well, actually, not quite one-on-one as he's travelling with his pet, Dingo, his bestie, Boswell. And Jamie Lee Curtis, while she is a little underused at times, which Richard Franklin himself has even admitted, that he does wish that he'd put her in more of the film, she is so charming and the back and forth between Hitch and Quid is really entertaining. It's such an awesome film and I'll be screening it on Tuesday 30th of August at Long Play in Fitzroy North. And just a little tidbit as well, um, the next a screening after that, so the Richard Franklin, the second part, um, will be the last Tuesday of September, and I'll be screening Psycho 2, which I'm also super excited about. But more on that next month.
4: Excellent. Well done. Well, that saves us time, Ben.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly done.
4: Let's move on with uh, the theme, Terror on the Highways. So two recommendations each, and... um. You know what? I reckon we just go straight from one to another. We go from Melzi to Melzi, right? So she's got... No, I mean, fuck it. It it keeps me on track. And it kind of... The way she's recorded these, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So what did she come up with for her first recommendation? Let's find out. It's a twofer, man. Melzi to Melzi.
7: So for my first recommendation, I'll give you a clue. Candy Cane. Has anybody heard Candy Cane? Alright, let's just blame the COVID voice for me not being able to imitate Ted Levine. (laughs) Yes, it is the horror thriller Joyride, directed by John Dahl and written by J.J. Abrams and Clay Tarver. This movie was released in 2001 and I was in year 12 at the time, so and being a teen horror thriller, it was perfectly in my wheelhouse. My love for this movie may or may not also have to do with my complete and undying love for Paul Walker, who my high school boyfriend was an absolute dead ringer for. But anyway, that's a whole other story for another day. <laughs> so Paul Walker plays Lewis, who buys a car to pick up his childhood crush, Benner, played by Lily Sobieski. And weirdly, she was only 17 at the time, which is a little concerning, especially when we're introduced to her laying on a bed, like perfectly laid out in her underwear at 3am, talking on the phone to Lewis. Anyway, Lewis ends up having to pick up his black sheep, black sheep of the family brother Fuller, who needs to be bailed out of jail again. The character of Fuller is a Pretty shit person, really, but my God, Steve Zahn is so funny in this role. He ends up getting a CB radio installed in their car and the brothers start screwing around on it as they're driving, having a great time, when Fuller convinces Lewis to play a prank over the radio and they start communicating with trucker Rusty Nail, voiced by Ted Levine. Unsurprisingly, the prank backfires and Rusty Nail starts toying with the trio and look, you really do have to suspend disbelief because some of the things that Rusty now does are pretty nonsensical if you really think about it. But the film eventually escalates into a really tense final act, which is a shot really great. Um, the whole, the cinematography, everything in this movie is, it's it's yeah, it's pretty pretty fantastic. Uh, they, there were a lot of issues, like production issues with um, Joyride. There were like four dif- alternate ending shots um, this one was definitely the best watching all of them and I think the last one that they shot. So, yeah, so there were a lot of delays and everything. Um, it kind of tanked at the box office, which is, you know, just so not fair. Um, but it was received really well by everyone that actually saw it. Um, it's available to stream on Disney Plus and I highly recommend it, even if you, you know, it's great just turn your brain off and sit back and enjoy it.
4: There you go, mate. Joyride, that's a banger.
1: Very upsetting. <laughs> Very upsetting because I was going to do Joyride.
4: <laughs> you know what? When, you could have done Roadkill because that's what it was called in Australia, and we would have then <laughs> put our listeners to the test to see if anyone picks up on it.
1: If they would have picked up, yeah. If the if my if my rundown of the synopsis in any way matched Melzy's, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, it's about. It's about Steve zahn and uh, <laughs> it would just would have all been about how you know uh, uh, Lily Sobieski doesn't wear a bra for a lot of the film <laughs> and, uh, and
4: they get they both get naked as Melzi points out and she, as Malsey pointed out she was underage as well
1: yeah well that wouldn't, well she doesn't get she's not as bad as in uh, was it um, eyes wide shut and <laughs> stuff which is really underage yeah moving on uh, She doesn't, I mean, she doesn't get naked or anything, she just you know doesn't wear a bra. Uh, but you know, the the thing that's so ridiculous about Joyride, I have to say, like the most out of every you know, everything that happens in that film, the thing that is most ridiculous is that in any reality, Paul Walker is in the friend zone. (laughs) Like, come on, (laughs) come on, like Steve Zahn, and then and they never they never touch on it. That's the thing that's so upsetting is that <laughs> Steve Zahn knows that Paul Walker is obsessed with Lily Serbieski. And then at one point in the film, he totally <laughs> tries to hit that. Well, and he, they get busted, but because of the heightened stuff going on, it's never mentioned. Paul Walker was still a deedle at that point. Well, yeah, I mean, he was like, he was hot off, uh, I'm sure, uh, like, I don't really know because I haven't done much in the in the recent, but he was, he was hot off playing the, uh, the best friend of me in She's All That. It would have been one of his early leads. You know what you... But that's in the credits, yeah. in the credits, Steve Zahn is top build, yeah. not Paul Walker.
4: Because yeah, he was, that that was, that was peak Steve Zahn, um, career at that yeah. point in time. Yeah. Um... And then he went on to play Goofy Shark in that strange wilderness, so that was weird. <laughs> That's a great scene. <laughs> hey, nobody talks about Roadkill 2 or Joyride 2. No. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Only me.
1: <laughs> it's a cursed film, Glenn. You know people who talk about it and mysteriously disappear.
4: <laughs> we'll file that next to the Hitcher 2.
1: <laughs> well, well, hopefully Joyride 2 is better than Hitcher 2, which is... <laughs> horrifying myth, which I know you love.
4: I love for, 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 it. Like, I love it, but I don't deny you do, it. You
1: talked it up so much, so much about how good it was. And I popped it on <laughs> expecting it to be the masterpiece. And like how you make how you make C Thomas Howell unlike, especially that era C. Thomas Howe, like an unlikable nervous wreck. It's a it's hard to do, but they've managed it in that film.
4: You know what? At that moment in time, you were not quite familiar with my reputation for loving really, really, really bad number two sequels? It was like two months ago. <laughs> I think no. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm mistaking it for um for eight millimeter two, was it? Is that what I gave you? I gave you one years ago. You Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh no, what that it was,
1: was. Road Caddyshack Road 2. Roadhouse no. Two. Roadhouse Two. No, yeah, that's right. You gave me. You gave it to me. Yeah, yeah. The Ultimate Lore, and it took me a while to watch it. And Jesus, I regret that because that is <laughs> hot. That was that was like not even a hot mess. That's just a mess. See what? And you... once again, funnily enough, Jake Busey.
4: What you didn't know at that point in time was by giving somebody a number two like that, it's my language of seduction.
1: <laughs> it's like hey, it works. Yeah, you know you've got to keep it. If he watches this and comes back for more, then uh... but I didn't. Well, I mean That's why it took me that's why it took me two years to get on the show after that. I
4: mean, it certainly can't have worked that well because I don't have COVID. I would have if it had worked. <laughs> Mate, your recommendation, go for it. Uh well, okay
1: thing is my my original first one was uh stolen uh <laughs> i'm gonna have to go with my original number two which is uh 2007's vacancy which i guess you know it kind of teeters on the edge is it a highway terror film probably not They they're on a highway to get to the to the motel it is a roadside hotel yep so that's close yep. enough for this guy
4: yep and me too and I uh, do hope so, uh, I do hope you're gonna talk about Vacancy 2. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I haven't seen this. I, no, I haven't seen it. I'll have to leave that to you. Hopefully that's your first recommendation. But there it is.
4: I'm holding Who's up, in it. Holding up a copy of Vacancy 2. It does star uh, Agnes Bruckner, David Muscal, Scott uh. G. Anderson, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I think Miss
1: Bruckner is a is a sequel darling too. She appears in uh, I think was it Hostel two. I think this one's is a it, is that I think Acid this Bruckner? one's a
4: prequel. But anyway, I digress. I hijack. Um, um, and that's what you do on a highway. You hijack.
1: Um, you hijack people. Yeah. It, well, the first one. The first one is directed by possibly my favourite named director, Nimrod Antel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a great name. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong because uh, the O has a, like, an umlau or something on the top of it, a a, te- uh, a, uh, a uh, accent on the top. So I'm not actually sure how you pronounced it. Uh, maybe it's Nimrud.
4: <laughs> well, I tell you what, um, I'm looking, see, I'm holding the, the case for number one in my hand here, and it was written and directed. Like, number two was the same writer and producer, I should say. Um, so the creative team behind part two is the same team behind and, part one.
1: Well, interestingly enough, and Va- vacancy is written by uh, Mark L. Smith, yeah, who also wrote like The Revenant and uh, Overlord, yep, and yeah, and vacancy too stuff. So, <laughs> and vacancy too. So, not a not a bad not a bad pedigree there, and it's got a, it's got an amazing cast. I mean, it's uh, Luke Wilson, and you know he's perfectly cast for the character he plays. Although I can't believe him having trouble in his marriage uh if it's unless it's from someone who's just sick of him not being able to make a decision <laughs> uh but kate beckinsale doing it like pretending to play an american which i which i i always enjoy and they're like they're a bickering couple who basically are on the road and they pull into this uh into this motel for the night and uh then in the in the room there's there's not much to do except for uh there's a, like a vcr with a with the tape uh there so they're like oh well, we'll put this in and have a look and you know, what they see is basically the inside of their hotel room and then somebody getting killed yeah and it's like a snuff yeah. film and then it kind of you know and then they realize that uh you know things at the hotel aren't all that they they seem and i think it's got a great the cast of um the, the kind of skeezy hotel employees are Frank Wiley and Ethan Emery, yeah. who couldn't, like, they're the perfect double act. Yeah. Like, it's like Laurel and Hardy, but the horror version. Yep. They're hilarious. They're, they're, and super creepy and hilarious. It's, it's a like a, it's a really a well put together film. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it.
4: I caught that one at the cinemas. That was a movie that like back when those sort of movies actually got some kind of theatrical, and um, I had a great time with it. I really did. But I believe that's also uh, loosely influenced by a true story. And I've seen the documentary that the true story is based on about a motel owner that had a secret sort of almost like a an entire filming studio in the rafters above every room and he had like a peephole into every room, but he had a whole network of screens and cameras set up to record everything at once. Yeah.
1: I actually like to think of vacancy as sliv- sliver too. <laughs> yeah. Just without the, without the world's most painful masturbation scene <laughs> where Sharon Stone looks like she's punishing herself. <laughs> like, geez, is that your, is that your self-pleasure face, Sharon? It's alarming. Like I'd call, like if I was, yeah. You know, if that's the face you made while we were making love, I would, you know, I'd call the police on myself. <laughs> like, what have I done? What have I done
8: to make you make that face? What's going on everybody? It's Yedma here again from ScreenRealm.com. In case you haven't, be sure to jump on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got a number of interesting interviews up. Just recently I was lucky enough to talk to Andrew Trouke, the director of The Reef Stalked, as well as director Vincent Grashaw whose horror thriller What Josiah Saw will be hitting Shudder on August 4th. I was lucky enough to do a video interview with him, so be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Let me tell you about a few of the big movie news stories that have occurred over the last week. Kicking off with Ben Affleck, once again reporting. In the role as Batman in Aquaman 2, which has been titled Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Aquaman star Jason Momoa made the announcement on social media, sharing a photo of himself alongside Ben Affleck with a caption that reads, Reunited Bruce and Arthur. Love you and miss you, Ben. WB Studio Tours just explored the backlord, alright? Busted on set. All great things coming, Aquaman 2. All my aloha, Jay. That makes two upcoming DC films with Ben Affleck back as Batman. There's also The Flash, which is hitting cinemas in June 2023. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom hit cinemas in March 2023. There was a whole lot of Marvel movie news announced at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm not going to give you all the details because I don't have the time, but I will quickly note a few things. There have, of course, been whispers about this for ages now, but it's official. A Fantastic Four film is on the way from Marvel. It's kicking off their Phase 6, and it's currently lined up for a US release on November 8th. 2024. And speaking of Phase 6, this next big chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe will be culminating in not one but two Avengers movies that are both set for 2025 release. We have Avengers The Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars lined up for May 2nd and November 7th respectively 2025. We also, by the way, now know that Avengers The Kang Dynasty will be directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who's recently at the helm of Marvel's Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. No word as yet on who's going to direct Avengers Secret Wars. The rights to the Tomb Raider movie franchise are up in the air after MGM took too long to make another film. As first reported by The Wrap, MGM had till May this year to make another Tomb Raider sequel, and they missed that window. There's now reportedly a bidding war, and Alicia Vikander, who played Lara Croft in 2018's Tomb Raider with MGM, is no longer attached to the franchise. So another Tomb Raider reboot is on the way. There's a Creed spin-off movie on the way titled Drago. This spin-off is currently in development at MGM and it comes from screenwriter Robert Lawton. As for the potential plot, Deadline is reporting that it will center on the Russian boxer of the same name who was portrayed by Dolph Lundgren, as well as his son Victor Drago, who we met in Creed 2. That about does it for me guys. Be sure to hit up screenrealm.com and screenrealm on YouTube and follow us across social media. Screenrealm out.
4: Hey folks, I'm just here with another, let's call it an official interruption. <laughs> hey, do yourself a favor by doing us a favor and download the Newsly app to your phone or your device. That's N-E-W-S-L-Y. It's a new app that we've partnered with and it's a completely free super app and it makes the entire internet listenable. Essentially what that means is that this app will pick the most trending articles on the internet based on topics of your choice And then it reads them back to you at any given moment in a completely natural human voice. I mean, how good is that? You could be driving to work and you need your eyes on the road. Or maybe you're just like Ben and you can't be bothered actually reading. And the best part is there's a podcast section and that's where you will find us. But it will also open you to a whole world of podcasting where you can explore podcasts from over 80 different countries as well as digital radio. Like I said, Newsly is totally free. There are no strings attached. But if you do want to try their premium service and get a whole lot more out of it, then you get an entire month for free if you use our exclusive promo code MONDAY. That's Monday without the O, M-N-D-A-Y. All you've got to do is download it, go to their website, newsly.me, or just find them in your app store. Well, that song was "Chick Habit." That's one that Malsie actually put in a request to play, and it's by April March, and it's from the Death Proof soundtrack. Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. That's a great little song, that one. It's a um,
1: isn't uh, the Chick Habit? It's a French Gore song. It's a cover of a French Gore song. Oh, it could be, or at least the music is. Mm.
4: It certainly um, suits the film perfectly, and I have a sneaky suspicion we're going to talk about Death Proof a little bit more coming up. But it's my turn to recommend something, and uh, as usual. I struggled. Like, the struggle was real here. I had a quite a few films to um to pick from, and I just really had trouble narrowing it down. And I almost went with... um, I think I was telling you off, Mike. I almost went with one called The Hitchhiker from the 1950s, a black-and-white film about two uh, two husbands that are travelling to Mexico uh, just to play around a little, have a little fun, a boys' weekend, and they pick up a hitchhiker who turns out to be a serial killer. Just want to put it out there. Uh, if you've never heard of that, check it out. It's, it's fucking great. I'm,
1: I'm keeping... I'm keeping an eye on the clock so I, I know when you add it to the list for letterbox. be <laughs> like, yeah, oh, Glenn's just <laughs> snuck one in there.
4: Uh, we're still talking about The Hitchhiker right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's going on the list because I reckon everyone should watch it. Uh, but my actual recommendation here is a movie that I actually, uh, I, I attach a lot of nostalgia to this one, and I'll, I'll explain that in a little bit. But Wheels of Terror from 1990. This was directed by Christopher Kane, a little bit of trivia. He's uh, he's Dean Kane's dad, um, but I, I mention him a lot on the show, but I also mention um, Wheels of Terror every now and then. It, it pops up in random conversations that you and I have, but uh, he's the guy that made The Principal. He made Stoneboy. He made Young Guns, and Wheels of Terror came right in between Young Guns and Pure Country, so it's almost like a little Western trilogy, if you will. It's a made-for-television thriller, and it's about a mysterious black car that terrorises a small town. And it's fucking... Like, it's it's a wow movie. Like, it's actually cut from the same cloth as Black Phone, believe it or not. It's very similar in its tone. I was going to say, it sounds and, like The Wraith. Well, it kind of has a little bit of that in it, too. Like, the, the whole... Uh, landscape of the sort of the desert, barren sort of township, wastelandy kind of thing. Go and the car itself very much so. But the car drives around and it kidnaps kids, and most of them are girls, and some of them reappear having been molested, and then some kids actually turn up murdered. And the cops have they're pretty useless cops. They they just can't find the car. They can't find any signs of the car. They know the kids are going missing, and the only person that is you know trying to tell them that it's a car, is the local bus driver who has not only seen one of these girls get picked up by the car, but also witnessed her own daughter get kidnapped by the car. And so she kind of takes matters into her own hands and tries to track him down and chase him. And it's, it's actually really dark stuff. I do love the atmosphere of this and it's creepy as fuck, but the main actress is Joanna Cassidy, you know, from Blade Runner and Roger Rabbit She's the lead. Ghosts of Mars. I, You're forgetting
1: Ghosts of Mars.
4: And I, I probably like her in this more than anything else she's done. I think she carries this one very nicely. Uh, and it was very smart, I think, to have a female in the lead here rather than than a male. But talk about, like, fantastic, you know, stunts and car chases. It's got some amazing uh, school bus chasing sequences ever so he got a this really fast black car that's tearing up the the dirt and this fucking school bus is just relentlessly on its path on its tail i should say um there's a great scene of this car flying off a cliff and deliberately landing on a cop and crushing him it's fantastic uh there's got amazing aerial shots which would have been in those days actual helicopter shots flying over search parties in you know Swamplands, looking for bodies. Um, it's yeah, it's just a really stylish film for a made-for-TV thing. It's, it feels very theatrical. But the thing that struck me watching it again after all these years was thinking that there's no way that this did not inspire Death Proof because the chase sequences in this are very, very similar to those those sort of final act chase sequences in Death Proof. But um, so yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to know if that played any kind of influence. You
1: know, when you this were this one about- was written. Oh, sorry, go ahead. when you're talking about when you're no, you... talking about death proof. I thought you were talking about uh, sorry, when, Wheels of Terror, the the act the World War II movie, Wheels of Terror, mm-hmm. with Oliver Reed and um David Carradine and uh Bruce Davidson, but it's, which is like a Russian, sort yeah, of like a Russian Dirty Dozen or German Dirty Dozen movie, but with tanks. No,
4: no, <laughs> no nope, different film. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, this one good. was also, um, the writer of this one was Alan B. McElroy, who wrote Halloween 4, Rapid Fire, and Wrong Turn. And recently he wrote Brad Anderson's um, Fractured, which is a pretty good one. So this guy, once again, has a good pedigree. And I just, um, yeah, I just, the creative talent behind this is great. And I, the, the, the memory I have with this one that makes it very nostalgic for me is I do vividly remember my parents coming home from the video store with a new release and a weekly And I think Wheels of Terror was the new release and the weekly they had was The Grass Cutter, which is that um, New Zealand film that I actually had on the, talked about on the show a couple of months ago when we did the New Zealand episode. I was 11 years old and both of those movies had such a big impact on me. And now if I watch Wheels of Terror, like I feel like obligated to watch The Grass Cutter and vice versa. Like they kind of make a double feature for me because I just remember that night being way too young to watch these films, but being allowed to anyway. And so there you go. My recommendation Wheels of Terror, Christopher Kane. It's it's a doozy, man. Cool. You're up next. Oh, me next.
1: Well, look, I was going next? to talk about Gotcha, the uh, laser tag movie with uh, uh, Anthony Edwards and Linda Fiorentina. But seeing as we're starting off our reviews by not talking about, about films that we're not talking about, <laughs> I thought I would. You just want... I thought I'd put that you in just there just, that to scrub the, uh, just to screw up the list. Where, so when people go on Letterboxd, and look at the films that we've been talking about, and go, Wheels of Terror, why are they talking about Gotcha? And then maybe have to watch Gotcha, and then when they finish watching Gotcha, scratch their head and go, there wasn't a fucking car in that film. It wasn't even a highway.
4: What if after this show I send you the list and I don't put Gotcha on there? Will you remember to put it in? Well, that's, yeah,
1: probably not. (laughs) But How'd you go with last week's list, mate? Oh, you did it. You did it before I could uh, do it. (laughs) I was there on Monday to put it in. I'm like, some arsehole's already done this.
4: That was late late Monday. Yeah.
1: There's no, there's no hard <laughs> and fast rule. Sometimes I don't do the list till Tuesday.
4: <laughs> and people know. I get the emails. <laughs> oh, the, I don't.
1: The uh, the zero views that those lists get, like the only person <laughs> the only person who ever looks at it is you to see if we've done it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on, moving on. But, but my but my actual recommendation aside from gotcha which is a fantastic film starring Anthony Edwards and uh Linda Fiorentino is uh Rolling Vengeance the 1987 vengeance. can expo- can exploitation classic uh, st- uh by uh directed by Stephen Hillard Stern who uh I think is kind of I don't know if this is uh his most well-known film which would be uh <laughs> Like probably not the greatest. No, he did Mazes and Monsters, uh, that you know that film that's responsible for giving uh, Tom Hanks his uh, his start. He, and how, uh, his... how
4: incredible is this though? Mazes and Monsters has actually come up at least four or five times in the last month. I posted about it on Facebook about two or three weeks ago. I've had conversations with people about it who've never heard of it before. This is a movie that you could go 30 years of never having mentioned or heard of. Yeah. And suddenly within a month, bam, there it is. It's
1: it's only been released in Australia on a shitty double pack. Like it didn't even get its own
4: it's, release. It's on Amazon prime or Tubi or one of those. And the, I reckon the reason it's come up is because of stranger things. With the whole Hellfire Club aspect and the Dungeons and Dragons and all that, I reckon that's the reason someone's dredged this movie up and gone. Hey, we could cash in a little bit here.
1: Unfortunately, I'm not a teen girl, so I haven't watched Stranger Things.
4: Uh, <laughs> you know for a fact you're missing out, Mister Hallmark.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> you're a middle-aged woman. <laughs> I'm a that's right, I'm a horny. I'm a horny housewife. <laughs>
4: Not am
1: yeah, what those teen girls will become. <laughs> uh,
4: you got that Anne Ramsey vibe going on, mate.
1: I like mum. I wear mum jeans <laughs> with a prominent gunt, uh, and I'll leave you. I'll leave you to look up what a gunt means if you don't already know. <laughs> One of my all-time favourite expressions.
0: Uh, but anyway, so
1: back to Rolling Vengeance. This movie is full on, it's pretty hardcore. Like in a way, a lot of great late 80s Canadian films were, in that it's like the stuff that happens in it is super harsh and super violent. Um, basically, it's about this this father and son, uh, or I guess they're not their father and son, and they run like a trucking business, and they they deliver um. They deliver food to Ned Beatty's. Ned Beatty runs like a honky tonk bar with his five near do well sons, who are all like drink drivers and, um, you know, hillbilly kind of punks. And uh, even though they work, they so they they deliver the alcohol to Ned Beatty like he's they're in, like
4: an integral part of his
1: business. The sons still
4: doesn't that make Ned Beatty nervous that there's a deliverance happening by rednecks
1: <laughs> well he sure has a pretty mouth uh,
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so the sons so the sons you know end up harassing harassing the father and son don michael paul and uh and i, f- I forgot big joe <laughs> russo the dad is lawrence dane lawrence dane is most well known to the listeners of this show as the Director of Heavenly Bodies, <laughs> the aerobic. <laughs> uh, Don't you love those light bulb moments halfway through something? Yeah, I'm just I was just looking at the um, the B page and I'm like, because he doesn't, because unfortunately, Big Joe Rosso doesn't last long in the film. So basically, the the five kids they harass they harass uh, uh, Big Joe ross Big Joe Rosso and Joey Rosso. uh and uh, they basically, they get kind of spanked for it. So in revenge, they get drunk, they take their their pickup, and they run off the road, the wife and mother uh, and two younger sisters of uh, Joey Rosso and, and Big Joe Rosso, killing them. And then because Ned Beatty is such a bigwig in the town, they get off scot-free. So uh, <laughs> uh, Big Joe... Uh, gets pissed and turns up at their place to get some vengeance. Unfortunately, he's no match for the five thugs and uh, ends up dead himself. So, and as in further retaliation, the five sons go off and rape Joey's girlfriend just for good measure. So, what's what's Joe? What's poor little Joey Rosso to do but uh, build a monster <laughs> truck out of scrap parts and take to the highways of Canada and destroy the five sons? It is. Full on, it is amazing. The VHS, as far as I know, it's only ever had the VHS release here. I don't think it ever got a, a DVD. And the girlfriend, the girlfriend is Lisa Howard, who's been in a lot of Canadian films. I used to have a real kind of uh crush on her. Yeah. um uh, she's uh in the Highlander TV series, she was in the War of the Roses, she was nurse number two in War of the Roses, which is probably what you uh listeners will probably know her from the most. No. <laughs> But in the, uh, I just found out looking at her IMDb as I talk, I I noticed that she's the she did the voice of Smurfette in the Smurfs movie from uh, the Smurfs video game from 1999. If that doesn't turn you on, I don't know
4: what, I don't know what will. Who hasn't wanted to have their way with Smurfette? Uh, The best thing about Smurfette is she's attracted to blue balls. Yeah.
1: That's, that's not the best, that's the worst thing about it.
4: No, no, if you've got blue balls, you want someone that's attracted to you.
1: No, you don't want, but you don't want someone who's attracted to giving you blue balls.
4: No, no, no. She, she, she happily re- she, alleviates she releases- the problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I, I think the blue balls, the blue balls bit went what way- <laughs> I, I hope the blue balls bit ends up on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> Uh But yeah, I, I haven't done my like I said. This is the <laughs> last minute replacement for uh, Joyride, so I haven't done my uh due diligence yeah, yeah. to see if uh, Rolling Vengeance is on. Like you know, if it's on any Let's... if it's on any streaming platform, it would be Amazon Prime. Let's uh, if pull not, the curtain it's probably back on people. YouTube.
4: Actually, you can probably watch the whole yeah. on YouTube. It's got it's got to be said that you came up with that recommendation literally two minutes before we started recording. So well done, sir.
1: Yeah, I did tell you we had to. We had to delay recording while I read the Wikipedia page to refresh my memory as to what the movie was about. <laughs> it is someone's put up a 1080p, uh, which I didn't even know this movie came out in 1080p. Like I didn't know that someone had restored it, but it's on YouTube. You can watch it. Awesome. Also known as Monster Truck. There you go.
4: Excellent. I know what I'm doing during the week. Thank you, sir.
2: Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Today, gentlemen, we're talking about terror pictures that take place on the highway or the road. Or I'm on a highway
5: road. to hell.
2: Yeah, I was going to do Australia it, but I it was... or the, Um, just the, the road, street, your street. And let's face it, they got a lot. I'm out on a cold. The no crap about it. heck. I was joking about the westerns, but there is a ton of good highway films made in Australia or have been in fact they may be second only to america but chad what's your first one where terror horror takes place on the highway so
5: again this isn't really probably wouldn't be considered when you think about highway horror but it has a again it has one of those chilling scenes that takes place on a highway nocturnal animals from 2016 directed by tom ford and written by tom ford um it it's so the story is about this woman who gets a a novel from an ex an ex-lover and she reads it, and she captures herself into it, and also it's just her dealing with the 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 history of her relationship with him and her current status. But when she actually gets into the story, it's her. It also it, the movie also goes into the the story itself, and it's all about a man whose family is murdered on the highway by these three guys, and the whole scene of that happening is one of the more chilling scenes in history and in in highway horror in my opinion i think that you guys are going to come up with two examples glenn and ben are going to come up with some amazing examples but i don't think a lot don't can come eternal animals
2: Yeah, i've never seen it
5: it's 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 good especially when it gets into the plot about this the the story that the the ex-lover
2: has sent her it's it's phenomenal here's mine and i was i was shocked because i didn't realize that mine because i watched it on dvd or video like everyone else but i didn't realize this movie made 77 million dollars in in rentals and dvd and video sales in 2003 77 million dollars and i never No, i never really hear anybody talking about it and it's dead end have you guys seen dead end with ray wise and lynn shay uh chad have you seen it a long time ago so it is basically a simple plot of this family of four. Uh, Ray Wise is the dad, Lynn Shay is the mom. I, this And this is a big statement, but it may be one of the top four or five roles Ray Wise ever played, best ones. And he's a damn fine actor, by the way, and a really nice person. Lynn Shay as well. And they're two kids, and they're driving on Christmas Eve into their in-laws, and he doesn't want to do it. And he decides to take a shortcut. And they start seeing this black car. There's a lady in white in the woods, and things are nothing looks up. And we start to find out things. And the least I tell you about this, the better off you are. It's kind of a Twilight Zone esque, could have worked in 30 minutes. What holds this movie together, even though you may very well be able to see where it's going, what holds this movie together is the outstanding performances from the cast. There is not one bad performance in this movie. I was just shocked when I was looking it up that I didn't, one of the trivias was over $70 million. The movie made a ton of money in rentals and sales, James. And nobody remembers it. That's crazy. Nobody Wise remembers it.
9: Why is it, as Je- Joe pointed out, uh 2000 to 2010 years was 2003 right yeah what about that time period made there a slew of on the road horror movies because mine the two that i thought about but are both from that time period actually three are all from that time period what about the odds the oos but the one that came to mind house of a thousand corpses is a road trip movie where the horror is at the destination so i thought about that when i went no the uh high tension is much the same way The on the road horror movie that came to mind, which has a problematic director though, that I thought about was oh no, yeah, Jeepers Creepers, yeah. (laughs) I still want to know how he gets that license plate though. Once again, if you're at the DMV and a hulking monster is in front of you requesting his vanity plate of be eating you, you let me know.
2: Remove the director from the scenario, I had the best time, which and the second one has another great performance from.
9: Ray Wise. Ray Wise. Yeah, no.
2: That role is going to be Randy Quaid's and he backed out.
9: But yeah, I I think there's something. And those are three different types of movies. I had a hard time narrowing it down, but I finally cut out House of a thousand corpses because the horror's on the road, but only tangentially. It's really half.
2: All right. This has been Bonehead Weekly Funza.
4: Ah, uh, yes. Jeepers Creepers. I like, forget about the um Forget about that Victor Selva factor. This movie's problematic in other ways, as James kind of alluded to. Like, how the fuck does the creeper manage all this shit? Like, you know, personalized number plates. Yeah, that's uh, a But then what is about all these It's a meme. The, the truck and the truck and the booby traps and shit, like, you need engineers for this stuff, man.
1: Yeah, but it's still pretty awesome. I like I remember thoroughly enjoying it. Like, just like once the minute they they did the whole license plate bit with the yeah, beating you. No, it's be yep. eating you. I was, I was in. Yeah. I was sold. I like this movie. Is, <laughs> yeah. This movie is a classic. And
4: I agree, it's great. And <clears throat> Chloe and I, on our recent update last Wednesday, had a, a really good chat about Jeepers Creepers. So if, uh, if you want a bit more of that, go and have a listen. Um, so yeah, the Bone Bonehead Weeklies. Um, they got a catchy jingle, and you know, go and check them out. Why not, Joe, Chad, and James? You know, they give us a lot, and um, you'd be doing us the favour by. uh giving their page a subscribe and watching them on youtube because and we, kind of give stuff. Them we do nothing it.
1: i'm actually a little <laughs> hurt. i'm a little hurt that they've never asked us to contribute a segment to their show
4: <laughs> well chad do you hear that he's the one that listens <laughs>
1: Yeah, Chad's, Chad's the one that listens yeah <laughs> Joe has no idea what we're talking
0: about. But do go
4: go and subscribe to their show. They recently had the comic book writer Bo Smith on, and uh, as well as the special effects wizard Steve Neal, who did Ghostbusters and Fright Night and Star Trek and a few others. But let us go back to some recommendation. Melzi has one more to go, and we've already sort of mentioned Death Proof, but I have a funny feeling, in fact, I know <laughs> that's what she's going to
7: talk about now. So Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof is my second recommendation. It was originally released theatrically in 2007 as part of the Grindhouse double feature with Planet Terror, which was directed by Robert Rodriguez. After underperforming in the US, the films were released as standalone feature films internationally. I definitely enjoyed Death Proof when I first saw it, but I was more of a fan of Planet Terror initially. But just recently, I think I might have changed my opinion. I think Death Proof is so good. Kurt Russell plays stuntman Mike who stalks two groups of young women that he intends to kill with his modified stunt car that's designed to be death-proof. I really love the grindhouse aesthetics that were added to make it appear like film stock of a 70s exploitation film. The stunts are insane and the music is really awesome. I think what made me not like it as much when I first saw it is the pacing of the film, which is the main problem that audiences seem to have have had with it. It is quite slow for sections, but now watching it back, I actually really appreciate getting to spend the time with the women. My God, the casting in this is incredible, including, but not limited to Rosario Dawson, Zoe Bell, who worked as Uma Thurman's stunt double in Kill Bill, Vanessa Ferlito, Rose McGowan, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Sydney Tamia Portier, etc, etc. This is such an underrated Tarantino film and despite it being a bit of a unique release, it did make me wonder, why the hell doesn't it get more attention? Well, it wasn't until I was researching for this that I read some of the backstory. Tarantino had been quote, has been quoted as saying that he and Rodriguez completely overestimated the audience's familiarity with the double feature exploitation grindhouse format. But what I read from Rodriguez got a bit more murky. The films were distributed by Dimension. Yep, those fucker Weinsteins. And Rodriguez actually cast Rose McGowan as a fuck you to Harvey Weinstein after she told him the story of Weinstein assaulting her during the production of Scream and that she'd really wanted a role in Sin City but had been blacklisted from from even auditioning. He thought it would be the ultimate payback to have her in this kick-ass role but unfortunately he also believes that Dimension then buried the release out of spite. So whatever the actual reason was that these movies tanked, I highly recommend you go and check them out or revisit them now and especially Death Proof as it may have grown on you over time as it has me. They are both available to stream on Stan. And on that note, I'll be bowing out of this week's episode – Thanks so much for listening to my sickly self. Ben, we'll have to make sure we don't pash the next time one of us gets sick. <laughs> and Glenn, let's rain check our next fireball drinking session to the first Monday in September. Oh, geez, suddenly I hear Mike Brady singing. Okay, off I go back to bed. Happy Monday, everyone. Uh, well, you know, she's
4: not wrong. Death Proof is definitely about belter. Uh, I think it's Tarantino's most underrated movie. I think it doesn't get enough uh, enough praise. <laughs> hey you're laughing they can't if you're um, gonna laugh make it vocal so they know what so they you're know doing. laughing yeah <laughs> uh,
1: i mean it is it's also his shortest film
4: yeah <laughs> and i appreciate that
1: it, uh, it's like i have to i have a i have a i have to say that i do have a dodgy relationship with uh with the the, the two both both the um, planet terror and and yeah, I re- and Death Proof, like I remember, like watching it for the first time, it really bothered me because I felt that all the girls in it were, were basically talking like Tarantino, like doing like yeah. their versions of him, rather yeah. than being ind- you know independent characters themselves, and it really put me off. I'd be curious now to go back and watch it again mm. uh, and just see how how I how I take it. I've got the you know the thing is I've I've only ever watched them separately. I've never actually yeah. done it with all the trailers and, and like and had the full grindhouse experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so maybe, maybe, maybe the next time the uh, uh, Melbourne Horror Film Society does, does grindhouse, I'll, I'll have to attend.
4: Yeah. Look, I do love the film. My, my biggest issue with it is the fake film scratches and flickering. That, that he puts in there oh, to make it look like a 70s exploitation. I don't like yeah. that. Like, it feels very disingenuous. But anyway, I digress. I want to know, mate, what's with uh, what's with all this passion shit? Like, you know that workplace relationships are forbidden?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, somebody drinks a bit too much uh, fireball, <laughs> drinks a bit too much fireball... Uh, what is it? Whiskey? whiskey and makes poor decisions yeah. that they regret in the morning. <laughs> uh, and I'm proud to be one of those, one of those regretted. Decisions.
4: <laughs> so, uh, last year, uh, Russell Crowe starred in a movie called unhinged, which is like a road rage movie. And, and I love that. I think I've talked to you about it recently. Um, And I thought at the time that was like a total throwback to sort of those 80s psychopath thrillers, you know, the whole Pacific Heights type of thing. But last week, I watched a fantastic Dutch film called Bumpercleaf, which has the Australian or the English title of Tailgate. And holy shit, like this is basically the same fucking movie, only Bumpercleaf is so much better. You know what Bumpercleaf sounds like?
1: It sounds like uh, a pussy fart that comes out of the... uh the the back door, <laughs> which I guess would just be a fart, but yeah, you know, bumper cleave is is a much funnier way of saying, like I just bumper cleave. <laughs> Apologies to all our Dutch listeners. <laughs>
4: So the, the story of this one is about a, a family on a sort of a day trip to the grandparents slash uh, parents' house. And they're running late, which has got the dad really wound up and anxious. And, and he's a little bit of a road rager. And while they're on the highway, they get stuck behind a truck uh, or a van. And the van is traveling at a really safe uh, speed limit speed, which is pissing the dad off because he's in a hurry and he wants to get somewhere. So he starts harassing the van by, you know, beeping and tailgating really close and shit like that. And then uh, a few miles up the road, the van driver confronts him at a petrol station and just demands an apology. And as the audience knows from the pre-title sequence at the start of the film, this guy is actually a psychopath whose actions are dictated by his conception of what manners should be and people's lack of them or what fires him up and so he's demanding this apology and the guy's refusing to give it because he's really stubborn and peak headed and thinks he's in the right.
1: Otherwise known as a dad. <laughs> yeah,
4: and it gets to the point where the van driver just looks at him and says, well, the point for apologies has passed and so now it's like, you're going to die. That's, that's what's going to happen and this guy in the van torments the family on the road and then all the way to the grandparents' house and then torments the grandparents and it doesn't care who's associated with this family. They're all going down and this psychopath Is one of the most threatening, menacing, and absolutely terrifying characters I've seen on screen for a long time because he does look like a really nice guy, but he's really, really tall. He's sort of, he's not fat, he's just really tall and got a big build, so he towers over everybody. And yet, when the camera's on his face, he does, he looks a bit like a a friendly sort of Christoph uh, Waltz character, you know? (laughs) And, And. that's who I kind of thought it was at first when he was sort of behind the glass in the van. I'm like, that's Christoph Waltz, but it's not. But that's the kind of uh, the kind of personality we're talking about. Anyway, I loved it. It's really super fast paced. It's fairly short. I think it was about eighty minutes long. And
1: it's almost that's almost ten minutes too long, Glenn.
4: <laughs> it has you in its grips from start to finish, and um, yeah, just one one of the most tense. It's kind of like actually when I was watching it, I was thinking of a cross between. Change in lanes, that one was Samuel L. Jackson and uh maybe even Lakeview Terrace, which I think also had Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Jackson. And I just watched and, um, I just watched the cleaner
1: yeah. on Netflix with uh Samuel L. Jackson.
4: I watched that last month and was very disappointed. It did not do much for me. But anyway. I uh look, so,
1: sorry to derail your review, but now I want to talk about the cleaner a bit. I, I, not that it's <laughs> I didn't I thought it started off really well. Endings a bit of a, a mess, but what really surprised me and what kind of upset me about it is that it's going along and it, things are getting interesting and then you realize, Oh, I'm like 50 minutes into the film. So they're going to have to wrap this up soon. And you're like, <laughs> it feels like you're just in act yeah. one.
4: Like you haven't had the twist yet. I know it's a, it's a weird yeah, one. It just didn't do anything for me. I've got a challenge for our listeners out there. Go back and listen to all the episodes and see if I ever make it through a single recommendation without Ben wanting to talk about something else. Never. I don't know. I don't think it happens. Like ever. sometimes it's happened. <laughs> anyway,
1: sometimes it's happened if I've been paying attention to other things, <laughs> yeah. like if I've been reading Melzy's notes on the side or, or something and then you managed to get through one. And I feel bad. I feel bad that you think that maybe I don't love you anymore because I, I haven't been well, interrupting your, uh...
4: well, by now people have forgotten what my recommendation is. It was bumper cleave. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it yeah. is on SBS on demand. If you're in Australia, it's probably somewhere else in America, England, wherever you are in the world, just look for it. It's, called tailgate in English but it's a bumper cliff from the back end back hmm. there the back door pussyfoot
6: <laughs> good movie monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewdorium. viewlorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies and it's absolutely free they also have a catalog full of kids flicks classic movies foreign cinema and more visit viewlorium.com today to see what it's
7: all about
4: good old viewlorium hot tip here um and this may or may not be true, but if you have a New Zealand uh, VPN, you get a whole lot more of additional content on Vulorian. But you never heard that from me, Ben. Ooh, I just let my VPN expire too. What a major disaster! <laughs> did you um? Did you prepare any trivia for this episode, mate? yeah <laughs> so we normally have Melzi at the desk and we end her shows with some trivia and I didn't think you would yeah. <laughs> so we can either we can either do a bit of a trivia round or we can just wrap the show up I was
1: gonna say like the answer is yes as long as there's no more questions about it <laughs>
4: I can throw a couple at you if you want, or we can just wrap up. You tell me what you'd prefer. Uh, you
1: know, you can th- throw the trivia questions at me. Let's let's do it. I'm good at it. A- I'm good at answering All right. trivia questions.
4: I, I kind of feel like two of these are not too difficult. One might be a little bit, but the first one. Uh, what is the Australian horror movie Red Ink, starring Nicholas Hope, called in the US?
1: Uh, you've got red on you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's called Inhuman Resources.
1: Of course it is. I knew that. That's that was my second. That was going to be my second <laughs> guess.
4: That's the uh, the Aussie film with Tom Savini as well. Uh, okay, we played. We played would be the,
1: at Monsterfest.
4: Yeah, I remember. Uh, what installment of the Living Dead films did Sig Haig star in?
1: The Living Dead films, like the Return of Living Dead.
4: The the Romero, sort of oh those oh ca- canon.
1: Uh... Isn't he in Day of the Dead? The third one? The nope. second one?
4: Well, he's the lead actor in Night of the Living Dead 3D.
1: Yeah. that's. that's was that a Romero one?
4: Well, it's, it's it's kind of like... That's why I was trying to say it's sort of the Romero one. It's the, the spin-offs of yeah, his. Uh, It's you... certainly not Return of the Living Dead. You know when they started making... Like nice. Tom Savini made his um, Night of the Living Dead remake. It's kind of that. That okay. Trajectory. Remember at the
1: start of this where I said I'm good at answering trivia questions. Let's let's cut.
4: That you video know what? Out. I don't know. <laughs> I will guarantee you. I will guarantee you. You've not watched any of these, but Chloe and I do games at the every at the end of every episode of our up late videos, and I practically failed to answer everything.
1: I'm sure I looked so. at a Chloe video, and she called herself Clear.
4: <laughs> no. Her tag on social media is Cleo.
1: at the start of the Clio. video, she's
4: like, she was like,
1: "Hey, friends, Cleo here." And I was like, "Hang on a second, have I, have I been, like, getting your name wrong this whole time?"
4: <laughs> no, well, I I haven't caught that on any of the episodes, but we certainly do it in the in the blurb and the and the tags. <laughs> but that's a whole other thing.
1: Yeah, I'm too old <laughs> to use tags.
4: Yeah, or, fair enough. Or Bill. Your Bill. your Facebook doesn't even let me tag, mate. That's why. <laughs> your Facebook's too old as I've well. I've rejected it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, final one. Which Hollywood actress starred in Amityville 3D?
1: Which Hollywood actress? Yeah. In Amityville?
4: She, I think she was the lead. Amityville three. Like, was it nineteen eighty three or something like that?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, weren't they all... They were all Hollywood actresses who starred in all of the Amityville movies, right?
4: Yeah, but number three had a particular... She wasn't A-list yet. She later became A-list. It's kind of like the whole Jennifer Anderson Leprechaun thing. Um, she and, and she was superimposed on, like, the modern re-release covers in a hilarious fashion.
1: Yeah, I don't like my, my Amityville, I've stopped it. I've stopped and started <laughs> at part yeah. two.
4: Oh, and, and now this. Like you know, if you go off on all the tangents, there's like a hundred of them now.
1: And there's there's one where they go back in time, and uh, Amityville in space. Yeah, there's and there's
4: it's Meg Ryan.
1: Yeah, right. Did not know that. I thought I thought that was I thought Top Gun was her kind of you know small role (laughs) before she became big.
4: I think Top Gun would have come fairly soon after Amityville. But I tell you what, that was a failed segment. Thanks, mate. That was uh, good fun.
1: (laughs) Well, I've got some trivia questions (laughs) that I prepared while you're asking me those trivia.
4: Oh, okay. Go for it What
1: is another name for a backdoor pussy fart
4: <laughs> Tailgate
1: Who stars Correct Who stars in the <laughs> classic uh, Laser tag movie Gotcha
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I've erased from the show I don't know <laughs> Meg Ryan.
1: Uh, incorrect. You've 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 lost that one. Uh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right, three for three. What
1: what oh. uh, famous not uh exploitation film features a uh, the lead character hand gliding?
4: Oh, Man from Hong
1: Kong. Man from Hong Kong. To the to the theme song that we have sung on the show. You've
4: blown it all <laughs> sky high. <laughs> Telling me a lie <laughs> without a Oh mate. Why. What a great, what a great, what a banger yeah. of a track! And and we certainly have that on our TikTok. If you scroll through our videos, you'll see Ben and I having fun to that little ditty. <laughs> Hey, huge thanks to Melzie for um, plucking up some energy to still contribute to the show. Like We adore her, and I do hope she feels better. Let us spruik the road game screening for her once more. So if you're in Melbourne, get along to Longplay North Fitzroy, August 30th, and then they're screening Demons at True North on August 27th, which actually comes first, so I should have done it in the other order. I always fuck these things up. Visit org to get the uh, the right order, <laughs> and follow their social media pages too. Uh, true. I think it's a one of those dreaded five week months um coming up, so we won't be seeing Melzi until sometime in September.
1: Maybe she'll just want to come in on another show.
4: Well, yeah, I'm thinking that, or even at the very least, get her on some of the videos in in the meantime. That'd be good. Anyway, mate, I hope you're feeling better. Um, whole week of the holes, it's C virus and all that bullshit. So hopefully we're back at the desk next week.
1: What a dodge! What a dodge! This whole COVID thing is. <laughs>
4: oh tell me about it you know I don't I think every episode of this show ever recorded was under the cloak of COVID in some way or another because I think week two maybe is when the pandemic actually struck and, no, and no, from there on it was all well I, well I don't
1: know like for me it was I didn't get to do a show in person yeah for the first I think <laughs> that's for the, right like the first year
4: yep yeah, totally. It was a it was a long time coming. Anyway, uh, let's wrap it up. If you want to track us down, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all those places, uh, the show wouldn't be the same without all of our players. So Jarrett, Guillermo, Joe, Chad, James, Chloe and Sam for doing some contributions on the social medias as well. And, um, yeah, let's just hope we are back next week. Um, join us for videos, all that stuff. And uh, and like I said before, catch Chloe and I at 10.30 on Wednesday nights for Up Late. That's a good... Uh, a little bit of fun, watch me lose all of those games. Um, we're going to leave you with a song that everybody should know. This one's called Maybe Tomorrow by the Stereophonics, and it's from the Death Race soundtrack. Does Death Race qualify as a <laughs> terror on the highway?
1: Well, well, I don't remember the Stereophonics being in the original Death Race, Death Race 2000. Which is the only one that counts.
4: This one had a soundtrack that was easy to mine. So here we go. That's why you get this. (laughs) See you next week, everybody.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I like a good Jason Statham movie as much as the next guy. But, you know, (laughs) this ain't no death race. (laughs)